So that's our prayer this Christmas, that God's light will shine on you, that you understand, appreciate, accept what Christmas is really about. So let me be the first to say, maybe for you, Merry Christmas. So glad you're here. We're going to give back to God in a moment. That's a part of how we say thanks to God. And, and uh, yeah, and after the service, in case I forget, we have healing prayer. If people would like to come forward the first um, weekend of each month, we have healing prayer. Our, our elders and serving elders come together and pray for people who are sick and struggling. Um, so, yeah, Christmas. So here's the deal about Christmas. You can kind of take a superficial view of Christmas, a materialistic view of Christmas, a consumeristic view of Christmas, or you can get what it's really about. And our hope is you won't settle for the downstairs, you'll go for what's upstairs. Okay, anyway, so, um, so I'm hoping over the next few weeks to help us kind of take a, a fresh look at Christmas and, and a deeper look, because I think Christmas is, is as the, um, which, which one is it? It's Christmas Carol that talks about a night that's so deep. Which one is that? Anybody? Anybody? One of these Christmas carols sings a night that is so deep. Like, which one is it? The first Noel, is that the one? Because I happen to think Christmas is incredibly deep. And I've been teaching Christmas about Christmas for a few years now. <laughs> a lot of years now. And, uh, and every year I find something new and, and really exciting about it. So I hope that you will share my enthusiasm by the time we're done. I don't always arrive at that place immediately. We'll talk about that in a moment. So I want us to kind of take a, a look at Christmas and not settle for just a lesser thing. Even as Christians, we go, well, Jesus was born. That's great. I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven. Good. But what if there were things in the Christmas uh, account that could actually change your life, could actually make a significant difference in your life? So let's talk about this. It's in Isaiah, a very familiar passage, written hundreds hundreds of years before Christ. It is a prophecy, a prophecy in Isaiah 9, 6. And it just simply says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Now, there's an interesting thing in this, because in this, it talks about some, some thing, prince of peace. We talk about peace a lot this kind of year, uh, this time of year, peace on earth. Matter of fact, don't miss Christmas Eve, because we're going to do something, um, I can't tell you. Okay, so, uh, but okay, I'll just, I will say this. If you promised not to tell the programming team, I'd let the cat out of the bag a little bit. You, there's a lot of division in our country right now, and we're going to kind of uh, talk about it. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so, mighty God, everlasting Father, and, but there's one we don't talk a lot about. It's Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor, that is... That is the first title that we read in this passage about Jesus, that he's a wonderful counselor. Now, as I was thinking about this, we think of a counselor as like, you know, a, a, a trained therapist that we pay to help us figure stuff out. And those are very important um, relationships we have. But, but um, this is not that. This is a trusted friend who always has your best interests at heart and actually has the ability to help you achieve your best interests. That's what a real counselor is. Now, as we, as we think about this counselor thing, one of the first things I want to think about is if somebody is giving me input, I want to know what their motivation is. I want to know why they're trying to help me out because I'm a little cynical, let's just be honest, okay? And a lot of people want to do nice things for you until you find out why, right? There's a, there's a gotcha. There's a catch, right? Yeah. Here's where we need to look at Jesus. If he has come to advise us, to counsel us, direct us, guide us, if that is the case, then why? 
Well, he's not charging a fee for his services. He had nothing to gain. There's nothing that he needs from us or wants from us necessarily. It was, there's no, no, no deficit on his side that would cause him to want to help us. The only explanation, and it's not my explanation, it's the scriptural explanation, is that he loved us. That's what we know about God's character, that he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? As we find that, as a matter of fact, in 1 John, we find it in 4, 7 to 12, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and loves, knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So it's not just something that he kind of has come to. That's who God is. If God was not love, you and I couldn't experience love because that's where it originates. All love it originates in God because that's who he is. That's his character. His motivation in coming is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. The whole motivation for Christ's coming is, is love. Now, one of the things that happens at Christmas time is, 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 is we're reminded that Christmas really is about love, that we really need to own that. Because it says that if we understand, the passage is right, it says if we understand God's love, then we can really live. Without his love, we're doing something less, something else, okay? So now here's the problem. At Christmas, we, we want the warm fuzzies. We want to get to the Christmas spirit and feel the love, right? But for some of us, it takes a while, like, how many of you are, like, totally into the Christmas spirit right now? Just raise your hand. You're into it. Okay. I want you to pray for the rest of us. Because <laughs> we are not there yet. I realized that this week when I heard a song on the radio, and I turned, you know, I knew I wasn't there. I'm not feeling it yet. I'm still digesting Thanksgiving, literally and figuratively. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm not past Thanksgiving yet. And so I turned on the radio trying to get some Christmas tunes going to try to get there, you know what I'm saying? And one of the songs I heard was Christmas is Love. And I thought, how trite. And, uh, and so I, I'm just kind of, that's just dumb. It's a new song. I've never heard it. Like, really? Christmas is Love, really? And I'm not sure they really understood what Christmas was about. And so I'm just poo-pooing this whole song. And I did everything but say bah humbug. And, uh, and so in this same time period, I realized that in, in just one day, um, uh, I have just become so frustrated. Because you know I have trouble with driving, right? More accurately, I have trouble with your driving, mostly. The way the rest of you people drive. And it's just worse than the holidays. I went to, I went to Rossmore Center yesterday just to grab some lunch. I drove by four restaurants. There were lines in all of them. I went home, I'm still hungry today. What are you people doing? Where are you the rest of the year? You're all in that parking lot at Christmas time. What is that about? And none of you know how to drive. I actually found myself this week, within just a couple of hours, I had honked in two people. Now, I don't honk a lot, okay? But I, I got places to go and things to do, okay? You people need to understand this. I just need to clear up a couple things. First of all, when you are at a stoplight, it is not time to check your makeup, fix your hair, look at your text messages. You are to be there. You are to be tense and ready so that the minute it turns green, boom, we go. Do you understand this? People are trying to ruin my Christmas. So I realized after having honked at my second person who wasn't driving the way I wanted them to, 
as I pulled around them to look at them and judge them. <laughs> Honest to goodness truth, I realized to go to my church. <laughs> and one of them is in the audience right now. And so I just want to say to you, I'm sorry that you're such a bad driver. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I'm, I'm sorry. By the way, a guy came to me afterwards and he goes, by the way, that's why I don't flip people off when they honk at me, because it might be you. <laughs> I think we both need to repent on that one. I'm not sure. Because <laughs> in that moment I realized I'm not quite in the Christmas spirit. I'm certainly not in the Christ-like spirit, and I ought to get on my knees and repent, probably. So for those of us who aren't quite there yet, okay, I'm hoping that as we study the Christmas story, that like the stars, the star was for the wise men, the, the magi, that we will come to Christmas, to a deeper understanding, appreciation, and gratitude for Christmas today and over the next few days. This idea of a counselor is a powerful thing. I, I love the fact that it says a trusted friend. And a trusted, a trusted friend, a counselor is someone whose motives you can trust, who wants what is best for you. They're not trying to manipulate you. They're not trying to get something from you. We can trust him. We are taught if you know nothing else about God's character, you know that God is a loving God and wants what is best for you and you can trust him. But there's an interesting thing here as well. Because there are lots of people that love us, but we may not be able to trust their advice. We trust that they love us and they care for us, but they may not know what they're talking about. Recently, I've been struggling with a little cough lately, and someone told me, just someone that loves me, that I know loves me, told me that you should just sleep with a cough lozenge in your mouth. <laughs> not so much? Not a good idea? You're right. I woke up the next morning with it stuck to my pillow and my mustache. <laughs> so this person loves me, but they don't know what they're talking about. This word wonderful is a great word because the word wonderful, it's not like you and I use wonderful. Oh, it was a wonderful dinner. It was wonderful to see you, wonderful, whatever. That is not that kind of word. It is a much bigger word. It is a word that intones deity. In other words, it is a reference to, oh, he's not just a good counselor. He tells you really good stuff. It's about he is God. And so now we have, not only does he have our best interests at heart, the right motivation, he actually knows everything. Lots of people want to counsel us, but they don't know much. He not only loves us, but he knows what to tell us. He's never been wrong. And so it's a wonderful counselor. This wonderful is, is kind of an interesting idea because it's not like, oh, he's just wonderful. It's, it's like, what makes you wonder? Not, not like, why would they do that? But wonder, like so much of Christmas is intended to make us go, oh, Oh, and she's like, oh, oh, look at the light. Oh, right. But those things are not the point. They're to point us to the wonder. The one who really does make us go, oh. It's more like, it's less about thinking about Christmas lights. Those are nice. But it's more like thinking about the stars and thinking about the expanse of, of the universe. That makes you wonder in a mind-boggling, headache-causing kind of way. If you think about it too much, how big is space? That will leave you in wonder. That is the point of this. This counselor is so incredible that it just, wow, I, wow. And so when we talk about a counselor who loves us unconditionally and who has perfect knowledge of everything that needs to happen in our life, we have a resource, of a relationship, a friendship that is incredibly powerful. 
For me, this Christmas, if we just walked away from this Christmas understanding, depending on, relating to this wonderful counselor, more frequently it could change our lives. What if I didn't just go when I'm in deep trouble? What if I didn't go when I'm really confused? What if I went to this wonderful counselor on a regular basis just for checkups? Lord, how's my heart? How's my direction? Not just a regular basis, every day. Maybe even more than once a day. What if I just went in for a little adjustment with this wonderful counselor? That is what is being given to us at Christmas time. And we can settle for something less, we can settle for something else, but what a powerful thing, a wonderful counselor. He's trustworthy, we can trust him. Now, what's interesting is that when we go to trust him, sometimes we don't always understand his plan. We, his plan doesn't always make sense. This makes it a little harder for us to trust him because we think we know better. So, for example, uh, the children of Israel in the desert. Remember that? And what did God give them to feed them? Manna, right? What did he say? You're going to get fresh manna every day except on the Sabbath. But you're going to get fresh manna every day. Don't, don't hoard it. Uh, don't keep it for the next day, whatever. And so the people are going, well, I'm going to bend over and pick up stuff today. I might as well pick up enough for tomorrow. And so unlike what God told them, just get enough for today, they started gathering. What does it say happened when they began to hoard manna? The next day, it was full of maggots and it stunk. It's graphic. That's what happens when we think we know better than God. Our efforts kind of get full of maggots and it stinks. That's kind of the point. But in the context of that, was God just being arbitrary to say to them, well, you can only get enough for it? No, he was teaching them dependence on him. Daily dependence on him. We all need to depend on our wonderful counselor daily because we all have a tendency to make dumb decisions, to develop bad attitudes, to see things in wrong ways. And so he was teaching them daily dependence on him. It wasn't arbitrary at all. There are other times, like when, when Christ uh, got with the disciples and they've been fishing all night, they hadn't gotten anything, and, and he says, well, throw your nets in anyway. And, and, and Peter says to him, we've been fishing, dude. There's no fish, but if you say so, fine. And he throws the nets in, and they're filled, and they call their other boat over, their partners over to come over, come on, come on, come on. And the nets are breaking because there's so many fish. They put them in the boat, and the boats are so full, they start to sink. You do life your way, it's going to stink. You do life God's way, it'll sink because you're so blessed. That's the dependency that he's trying to teach us on this wonderful counselor. He's trustworthy. We can trust him. He'll lead us wonderful places. Uh, the shepherds, the magi, those who listened and trusted God and followed God's direction, had wonderful experiences. As a matter of fact, the shepherds, these guys out watching sheep all night, playing their flutes or whatever they did to keep from being bored, they go and they see this, and something happens. If you look at the account in Luke 2, and what happens when they come away from having seen the Christ child, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told them. What a wonderful experience they had because they trusted and they went where God was leading them. This wonderful counselor is available to us if we will trust him. His mom trusted him. Remember the first miracle? Remember when they went to the wedding and they ran out of wine, which is a major faux pas on that day, and that deal was going to embarrass everybody. And so Mary goes and gets Jesus. Jesus, you got to fix it. He's like, no. And Mary does a typical mom thing, fix it. And, uh, and so she just simply kind of ignores his kind of hesitancy. And she looks at the servant. And she goes, do what he says. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Now, that's interesting, right? Why is it interesting? Because he turned the water into wine? Yeah. But how did Mary know that? How did Mary know that he could fix it? 
Had he been doing previous miracles? We don't know. Did she know his character and he would figure something out? out? How did she know? But here's the critical thing. She knew. She knew she could trust Jesus. And until we come to the place where we know we can trust Jesus because he loves us and because he knows, when we come to that place, we begin to follow him. We begin to live according to his counsel and our life gets better. We even become more like him. We need to be at the place like Mary was where we say, wherever he says, do it. We say to ourselves, whatever he says, I'm going to do it. That's what this counselor thing is about. It's not about second guessing. It's not about hesitating. It's about doing that. One of the great things about this counselor is he's always on call. I heard a thing recently on the radio that, that you can have a therapist on call all the time, which I think is probably a pretty helpful thing for, for a lot of people struggling in difficult times, whatever it is. But the Bible says that this counselor is always available. Matter of fact, here's what it says in James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all. If you lack wisdom, how to live your life, to make a next decision, deal with some issue, ask. So let me give you four things to think about if, if we are really want to get to know Christ as our wonderful counselor. Um, first of all, realize that he has many ways to communicate with you. God has many ways to communicate with you. Um, the scripture is the primary way. But there are other ways as well, as long as it always lines up with Scripture. We can never, He will never lead you to do something that is contrary to Scripture. Um, so, like Joseph, God led him through a dream. He communicated to, to him through a dream. Mary, he sent an angel. The shepherds, he sent a choir. Uh, Simeon, he sent both Scripture and his spirit to say, not only is this going to happen, it'll happen in your lifetime. And the Magi, he sent a star. By the way, God not only communicates a message to us, oftentimes the way he communicates the message is also powerful in and of itself. And we need to make sure that we get the message of Christmas and the way it's communicated to us. So a lot of people bemoan and whine about, well, they've taken our Christmas, they're taking Christ out of Christmas, they're commercializing. Yeah, they, and all that's happened. But you know what? I think it's just opening the door for me to make comments about all of it. You know why there are lights on Christmas tree? Because Martin Luther decided that was a good symbol of the light of Christ. Did you know that? It wasn't some light bulb inventor that did that. It was Martin Luther, a great theologian. See, when we look at that, we need to look at the, the wise men were not just led to the Christ child by a star just, that just had, no, because they, they had to come from far away. And the symbolism of the wise men, the magi coming, they were not Jewish, they were Gentiles. And the, and the symbolism there is that they came to the Christ because Christ came for everybody, not just Jews, not just the people in a certain locale, in a certain ethnicity. He came for everybody and there's symbolism there. God will communicate with us and he'll communicate with us in ways that have meaning. God almost never communicates with me other than in scripture in ways that I can predict. One time God communicated to me, spoke to me through a crazy lady. And when I say crazy, I mean, right? That's the technical term. I know, and I'm supposed to say crazy. Can I say weird? Can I say unusual? Crazy is the best one, though. I'm not going to lie. As somebody I'd known when I was younger, and, and the reason I thought she was crazy was she didn't really have um, any kind of mental illness. She was just mystical. You know, she was just really mystical. Like, she thought God talked to her and stuff. I mean, I believe in that. I think. We were facing a really major decision, and uh, only, only a few people knew about it, very few people, and she wasn't one of them. I hadn't seen her in many, many years. And um, she called me up one day, and she said, uh, 
hey, how are you? How's family? Yeah, okay, great. And, and I'm thinking, uh, and she, she says, hey, I was in prayer, and I don't know what's going on with you right now or if anything's going on with you, but I'm supposed to tell you these five things. I think this is going to be good. And, and she nailed it. I mean, every one of the things was something that I was struggling with within this decision. And every word was an affirmation from God that he was leading me and he was guiding me and I could trust him at every turn. And then 10 minutes, well, thank you for that. Bye. I hung up and went, called my wife and went, you won't believe what just happened. Remember the crazy lady? She wasn't crazy after all. <laughs> in that same time period, I sat down to read a book. And in the opening paragraph of the book, there was a scriptural um, principle laid out that exactly addressed the decision I was trying to make. It wasn't a decision between right and wrong. It was a decision about God's will. And I began to cry because I knew exactly what I was supposed to do based on that, and, and it aligned with what this woman had said. By the way, I've gone back to find that book and read that paragraph again, and I can't find either. And then I went to my counselors, the people that I trust to bring wisdom to my life, and I said, not telling them about the other two things, and this is a major decision, one of the top three decisions in my life. And they all said the same thing. Yeah, we think probably God's leading you to do this, to be honest with you. Well, I wouldn't have expected the crazy lady. I wouldn't have expected the book, which you can't find anymore. And I didn't think they were going to say that. And the truth is, in my heart, I knew what I was supposed to do. And they all aligned. What if the wonderful counselor isn't just a title or a concept? What if he wants to lead us? What if he actually wants us to, to make decisions based on where he's leading us through his word and through the counsel of others? What if he actually wants to help us in that powerful, incredible kind of way? If our wonderful counselor began to guide us and lead us, to help us prioritize our lives and set our direction and deal with our issues, what if that's exactly what Christmas is about? How would that change our lives? How would that change our relationships? How would that change us? Wonderful counselor. What an amazing thought. God has many ways to communicate. We have to listen in faith. That James 1.5 passage, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, goes on to say, without finding fault, it will be given to you. Then it goes on, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. Now, does it say we should never doubt? No, we all have doubts. Here's what it means. Once I have decided to follow his counsel, I need to follow it. I need to not go back and forth. It's so funny right here. We have, we have people, I've been a pastor a really long time. We have people show up and they make a big splash and I always just sit and kind of watch. Just kind of watch. Is this person for real? Are they really committed to Christ? Or are they just trying to get attention? Or are they just trying something new? This is the latest trend or fad they're trying. I always kind of watch. And what this says is, is once you decide to follow Jesus, don't be unstable, don't be whipping around. Just, I'm going to follow Jesus' plan for my life because it's better. He's a wonderful counselor. I can trust him. I'm going to stick with that. That's working. And I'm going to stick with it. And the way we do that is we keep our heart right. Don't allow bitterness, anger, all that stuff to take root in there. Keep your spiritual eyes and ears open. Here's something interesting. Um, when, uh, when God directs us or guides us, uh, we find that oftentimes 
um, it reveals what's in our heart, the way we react to that. The way we react to that will sometimes reveal what, really, what our real motive and, and priorities are. Uh, so, for example, uh, one, uh, well, when, when the wise men showed up in Jerusalem, the wise men saw a star and they were sincerely, honestly seeking truth. They show up and they talk to Herod and all of his advisors and they say, the Messiah has been born where it's at. And they're like, well, I don't know. Here's what was really in Herod's heart was anger and bitterness. And he was power hungry because he didn't go seek the Messiah. He wasn't interested in truth or knowing God. He was interested in keeping his power. So he killed all the children in the village. What about his advisors who were, who were theologians who should have known better when the Messiah was born? What did they respond? Nothing. They didn't do anything because it wasn't in their heart to know truth. It wasn't in their heart to know God. They just want to stay in power. When we seek to follow him, it will reveal what's in our heart, the way we respond to what is, what is shown to us, what, it, what the guidance we receive. And we need to be careful to have the right things in our heart. Um, a part of this is not making unclear what God has made really clear. Sometimes when his heart tries to overshadow, the heart wants what the heart wants. Well, it may not want what God wants, and you need to make a choice. You want what God wants or what your intuition or your instincts or your feelings or your urges want. So there's this time when Jesus starts talking to his disciples, and he says, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to be dead for three days. I'm going to be resurrected. And he gets done with this talk, and, at the, and, and, and in that talk, it says, in this, it's found in Matthew 8 and, and verse 32, he spoke plainly about this. And listen to this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, which is a pretty funny thing. No, God, you're wrong. No, God, you're wrong. Now, how you talk about obtuse? Here is Peter telling God he's wrong. Well, you and I do the same things. Whenever we hear something from God, it's not that we don't understand it; it's that we don't like it, and we say, "No, God, you're wrong." Ten percent? No, God, you're wrong. I can't date who? Oh no, God, you're wrong. I deserve to have this bitterness because I've been mistreated. Forgiveness? No, God, you're wrong. See, the problem with following this wonderful counselor is he's going to give you some counsel you're not going to like. You may even give mental assent that it's probably the right thing to do, but you're not going to like it. So <clears throat> what do we do? Well, in those moments, it's wonderful to realize that a part of his divinity is that he not only loves you and knows the right thing to do, but a part of his divinity is that he can empower you to do the right thing, even when you're struggling to want to do the right thing. When, and this isn't just an example out of the blue. This is an example that I'm very familiar with. When I am struggling with bitterness, I'm struggling with unforgiveness, I'm mad at somebody, and I got good reason. I could, I could rally the troops, and they'll all agree that that person mistreated me. And I read about forgiveness, and I go, yeah, I know that's what it says. But these circumstances are different. <coughs> They're not different. And here's what I end up usually praying. Lord, I want to forgive. At least I want to want to forgive. Please help me want to want the right thing in this. Lord, I don't want to forgive, really, but I want to forgive because I know it's the right thing. But I want to forgive. I have these conversations with God. I'm glad he understands. I, I can tell you don't, but it's okay. Because this wonderful counselor loves me, knows the right thing, and has the power. See, I've done a little counseling, very little because I'm bad at it. I'm really bad at counseling because I think you show up, I tell you what's wrong, you ought to go fix it. It's not hard to figure out what the problem is. I can figure it out. You probably already know what the problem is. And that's why I'm a bad counselor. Because a good counselor helps you want to fix it. You've got to want to fix this thing. And me just telling you what to fix doesn't help, really. 
is somebody that can help them move that way. When, there's a program in the United States. It's one of the, the, the highest percentage of success, right, in helping people in recovery uh, from addiction. And, uh, and, many, and I've worked with them many times over the years. And many times I'll have somebody sitting in my office. They're ready to finally get it together. And I will call them and I'll say, hey, come get this guy or this one. They want to come right now. And they'll say, nope. And what do you mean, no, they're ready. Yeah, well, here's our address. Tell them to get here. Yeah, but they don't have any money. They're living on the streets. Yeah, I know. Here's our address. Tell them to get here. And so finally one time I just said, why do you do that? Why don't you come pick them up? They're ready. They're, they don't want to make a change. He says, because they don't really want it unless they find their own way here. I don't care if they have to walk all day. If they find their way here, that means they want it. And they tell don't, don't you bring them. Make them find their own way there. They got to want it. Sometimes I don't want to be better. Sometimes I don't really want to be Jesus, like Jesus in that moment. But even in that moment, I can come to this wonderful concert and say, please help me want the right things. Even if in this moment I can't take that step, I want you to help me. And you know what's amazing? It's because he is wonderful. He can actually do that. It can actually change what I want in a given moment. Well, um, let me just finish with this. I want us to know Christ. I want to know Christ as a wonderful counselor. I want to be more informed by his guidance. I want to be more directed by his wisdom. I want to be more empowered by his Holy Spirit. There may be some here today who... This is a hard time of year for you because you have long hoped for, depended on him for, expected something that hasn't happened. Here's the last thing I'll say about God's guidance. In my experience, and I think scripture is this way as well, God's guidance often involves waiting because in the waiting is growing. In the waiting, in the believing, in the hoping, in the trusting is where we grow. If God just popped out every answer we need right then and there, we'd never grow. We'd just think he's a vending machine, Santa Claus, if you will. But it's in the waiting that our motives are purified, that our faith is strengthened, that our character is built. It's in the waiting. The Jews had to wait centuries for the Messiah. Mary had to wait nine months carrying around a baby that nobody quite understood. Joseph had to wait several months to see if what God had said was true. The wise men had to wait a couple of years. They didn't arrive until a couple of years later. Sometimes you have to wait. But I just want to say the waiting is not bad. The waiting is really good. Because God always has the end in mind. He always has the outcome. He's just waiting to see if you're going to grow into it. If you'll cooperate and become who you need to be for that outcome. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says yes. Most of the time he says wait. And so if you're waiting something for something this Christmas, don't give up. Keep trusting. Keep listening, keep growing, and keep going to our wonderful counselor and let him guide you there. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. We love you. You are a wonderful counselor. I'm glad that this life is not something we just have to figure out our own and make happen, but you will guide us every step of the way in this wonderful friendship, partnership, mentorship, Lord God. And I just thank you for that. So anybody here who's struggling, Lord, give them courage, give them patience. Lord God, give them great faith. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.